Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me again. Great to have you along. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Yako Kaiku Loama. Now, I really struggled with that surname because Yako is in Finland. And we know that Finland is famously a pretty tricky language for non-Finnish speakers. So firstly, Yako, thanks for joining me. And secondly, thanks for being so patient with me butchering your name like that. Hi, Ben. I'm glad to be here. And I think you did an okay job with pronouncing my name. I've had so much worse. Ah, Very good. And for people listening, go check out my surname and try and pronounce that one. So brilliant. Today, what we're looking at is TeamSpective, which is a really fascinating software platform, which helps organizations, you know, find, develop the talent and use that wisdom and experience in very creative ways. And particularly around the organizational network analysis side of things, which is such a cool way based on the surveying and so on. But Yako, do you want to just give us a quick overview of what TeamSpective is and how it helps employers? Definitely. So my background is in software B2B sales, which I started about a decade ago. And I was working in multiple different growth companies, multiple different roles, leading also some teams in sales and marketing. And everywhere I went, I had the same experience that there are some issues in teamwork and leadership and coordination that just are there. Employees talk about them and management usually avoids talking about them. And then problems escalate. People get tired of them. People quit. And relationships really like suffer Hmm. as a result. So that's kind of my first touch points to what we later built in TeamSpective. And I really think that it's important for a company to find problem that really speaks to the founders, that creates the vision for those companies. And for us, it's exactly this. Like, you need to identify the main issues impacting your work and your well-being and engagement. And then you need to have very constructive discussions with the right people so that you can resolve those issues and dysfunctions. And this is the main problem. And the first touch point, how we approached it was through personal feedback, because that was most familiar to us. At that point, we didn't know that we were building an HR tech company. So we created an app with a friend that helped us collect feedback on very specific topics, which would then be easy to answer. And the app would guide the provider also in giving that feedback. So a very simple tool. And we started in 2020, right at the same time as the pandemic hit. And yeah, it was a bad timing to start a business, but I think all things went more digital at that time. So hard to say which way it pulled more. Anyway, we started talking to companies and we learned that there's like other similar issues related to teamwork. We decided to also build this pulse survey solution. So it would be in like feedback culture solution, sort of. And it would work very well in Slack. 
And that was the first unique thing that we actually built yeah. in the app. We made it accessible in Slack so the users don't have to even log into browser, which takes off a lot of load. In yeah, reduces the, the friction. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Then we started getting some customers, mainly tech companies, growth businesses in Finland. And our customers really enjoyed our solution and especially the Slack usability and the easy rotation of questions and the personal feedback experience. And we were really encouraged by these nice. customers. Nice. So yeah, that's how it got started. And then we tried to figure out how to actually automate those feedback interactions because it's a struggle to go ask for feedback. Like many people are not used to doing that sort of thing. Mm. So we really wanted to automate that. We needed information about who works with whom. And that's how we came to like network analysis. And we used this like simple survey asking like, who do you work with on a regular basis? Who makes it clear what you should focus on and prioritize? Who supports your learning and development? And who do you get positive energy from? Questions like this. So we built different types of networks on how people interact. And that also reveals like different silos in the organization, like groups of people who work with each other, but they have very limited links to other departments and teams in the organization. I'm just thinking back to a tech company that I know. And yeah, I mean, every functional department would stick within its own area, right? And yes, there's lots of social interaction or whatever, but work-wise teams would stick to their own team. And then there'd be interactions probably with one or two people only in other functional areas. So I suspect that if you saw that on a heat map or in an organizational network analysis chart, you'd see little nodes, I think they're called, but not much else. Is that what you're getting to? Yeah, exactly. We see interactions happen by using this survey data, but also using passive data. So that's what we're actually building now and adding to the system. So we get real-time input from solutions like Slack and Microsoft, like email messages and Outlook calendars, mm -hmm. and also Google calendars. So we can use that to draw the real-time interaction map from the organization. Do you mean it would not read stuff, but it would probably count the flow of messages and bookings of meetings and see who's booking what, who's having which communication flows and aggregate that and see where it's going? Is that the idea? Or Yeah. So we would identify the main relationships between people and we can also spot if some people are reducing their like number of connections over time because then we know they're disengaged and they are going to withdraw from interacting with others. So there's really so many things that you can do yeah. based on this data. What are some use cases? So I'm imagining that, for instance, an HR leader who's charged with increasing employee engagement to thereby improve performance of the business, et cetera, they might do a bunch of initiatives and interventions or whatever, but they don't know if it's working or not other than engagement surveys, but this is adding yeah. a new level of data and I guess visualization. Is that right? Yeah. I think you're on to our vision 
I really think that this is the way the engagement solution market is headed next. Because the values of having that like network insights on top of all other HR data, they're so enormous. So the way we see it is that when we first start by combining data from HRIS, so you get all the basic data, master data from net people, then you combine it with survey data. So engagement pulse surveys, performance data, stuff like that. Then you lay over the network data. Then you start to have a holistic picture of how that organization works. What are the bottlenecks? Um, who are the people who have most influence to a group of employees who may be disengaged? And this is where I think many of the current players in the engagement markets are really dropping the ball. Mm -hmm. They work very horizontally. So they integrate towards the features that already are in the HRIS systems. So we really stick to the original problem. So we are building a solution, which is basically a fully automated digital personal assistant for people because we can combine that pulse data we can combine it to the network data and have all other hr data available so we can do laser sharp suggestions like you should talk to sally about this or this topic then we can also monitor if that interaction happens because we have that real-time network data and then we can monitor how the survey scores develop for those topics. And this is the first time in the history of this industry that we have a closed feedback loop, which can verify the suggestions that we gave so that we can improve on those suggestions. And of course, AI is very much related to all of this. Machine learning, it teaches itself over time, which is a better response. Right. And you mentioned, you know, other, I don't know what, traditional solutions. You're talking about the culture amps of the world, like the survey stuff. Is that what you mean? And can you clarify the difference between what you're doing and what they would do? Sure. So I think PECON was the forerunner in the Pulse survey segment. So they really drove home that game. So like, instead of doing these long annual surveys, you do these Pulse surveys. Yeah. But I think already there, we see two dimensions that are not on such a good level. We see that Slack usability is not that great. You still have to go to the browser to finish the surveys to look at the results. And the actionability of that data is like behind those dashboards, unfortunately. And it's a trouble really to get data about like your team has this and this problem. But you as a manager, for instance, you don't know what to do based on that data. <laughs> You don't yeah, get that follow-up. So, yeah. So I laugh because I've been in so many meetings in my career where I've provided feedback from surveys to management teams. And often I might have backed that up by qualitative surveys, maybe some group sessions and things like that. And so I kind of know what's going on and what's going well, what's gone not so well and why. But when I present the results back to the management teams, every time the reaction would be, Oh, no, no, that's because so-and-so, you know, Mary in that team over there, she didn't get a pay rise, so she's annoyed. And that's why that team got a low score. Just right. random stuff. Whereas you're saying, no, let's add a little bit of data and structure or something that can create a better outcome. 
Yeah. And there was a study in Harvard Business Review about people who are networked in the organization are more engaged. So you can actually also build the use case of just connecting people across the organization who would, like, based on their network data, seem to be on the outskirts of the organization. So very low involvement in anything, basically, what's happening. So just connecting those people with some more central nodes in the network, it could create a lot more innovation, get more people engaged, and we can prompt those basically automatically anytime, which is one use case and one type of instruction that we may give. Got it. So a couple of, I don't know, devil's advocate questions. You know, we're talking about use cases. One is helping create cultural change. Maybe that another is to help individual people or teams either to manage others or to be supported by their managers. So one counter argument might be, oh, what about the big brother thing? People would be scared that you're spying on them. What would you say to that? We only use publicly available data and we only use metadata. So nothing in the messages, like the content of messages is revealed in any case. We only see like when the message was sent to whom, by whom. And we also see that like exchange, how long did it take to come back to the question and stuff like that. So only metadata and also only publicly available calendars, for instance. So if you have a private event in your calendar, we have no access to it. And same goes for Slack messages, for instance. If you have a private exchange, then we don't have access to it. Very good. Yeah. That's that common concern. Yeah, I can imagine. And so another one, you're in there in the C-suite. You know, you've got the executive team and someone comes in with some ONA charts or slides showing the networks and who's connecting with whom in which ways and the strengths. But they might say, well, they're cool. They look nice. But does it help us? How do we use it? What would be the response to that? It can be a challenge for a like C-suite member to make sense of that data. And that's why we are building automation to give those insights. But we also consult. So we don't leave our customers alone with that data. They need help in figuring out how to read it. And we also need some input from the management team usually about what type of issues we are looking for. Because one use case may be that there are multiple different sales organizations on different markets. And we need to see how the collaboration works with the product team. So there may be some links going from product management to the heads of each sales organization. And then we see that like in these three countries, there are basically no connections to anywhere in the product organization. And that implies that feedback is not flowing from those markets. And that explains why the markets are failing to reach their targets in sales. So that would be just one problem that's quite easy to see. And the answer is also simple. You need to connect people. You need to have people talk about different stuff. So again, coming back to the original problem (laughs) that I started with, we need to identify the problem and we need to guide people in how to talk about that. And we need to get the right people to talk about that. Yeah, got it. So if you're listening to this on the go, maybe a way of visualizing it in your mind would be 
you know, when you see these photographs of a whole country or even let's say Europe or the US or something at nighttime, and you just see those little flashes of lights in cities or small towns. And obviously as you get to the big city, there are more lights, there are more roads feeding in with lights. So you can actually see that kind of network and it's similar. That's what an ONA chart can look like. And I can actually imagine that being quite powerful for national organizations or international organizations because yeah, the head office has everything flowing to it and flowing out of it. But once you get out of that central hub, it turns to darkness and you need to do something about it. That could be an outcome, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what you usually have. And some organizations are really well networked. We have one customer where it's actually very hard to tell like who are in the headquarters. Oh, wow. So yeah, and they have really built, like their management team has like moved to those other markets and stuff like that. So they have really worked. Real effort, yeah. Yeah. And what about in terms of growing the business team perspective, what are you doing to get the word out there and educate the market about what you guys do, both on the technology and the consulting side of things? Yeah. So we have three tracks. The obvious one is sales. So we talk to growth companies and tech companies in Europe, in the Western markets, but also the odd case elsewhere. We sell our services that way. And that's like the linear growth that we're getting from that. But it's hard to scale as many know. Then the second thing is the online no-touch sales channel. So we have invested in marketing, putting out some content, building lead magnets, some ads. And then we're seeing about a doubling every month for the past four months, the rate at which we get new signups to our product from our website. And then the third one, which is probably relevant for some, at least some people listening here. So we work with HR consultants, both individuals and companies who do HR consulting, and we partner with them. So we really appreciate their networks and we pay a finder's fee just for getting an introduction that leads to a sale. But there's also the other side of that. We can create more clarity to how that organization works and what the problems in that organization are. Like we can do that far better than any other solution on the market. So that also creates sales opportunities for HR consultants. So you can see that dysfunctions between different parts of the organization. You can see some people are just like emerging leaders who take a big role despite not having nothing but a like entry position. Yeah. So you get all of that data on top of like regular pulse survey dashboards and team reports and stuff like that. So it can really open up the consulting game. It's got a wide range of use cases or something like that, whether it be change management or talent development or career planning, all sorts of things, even just learning and development to why are certain people shining and maybe there are certain trends and themes like they always seem to be thriving under a particular manager. How can we leverage this manager's management style, expertise, et cetera, to share his or her talents, et cetera, with the rest of the organization so everyone else can flourish. So I can see how that works. So yeah, but back to your point, consultants in the HR world, whether that's L&D, HR, generalist consulting, whatever it may be, they can refer in team perspective to potentially you know, help that company, the referral fee, or potentially to partner up in other ways 
And that's a great idea because certainly on this show, we've seen lots of companies where they team up with different HR-related companies, non-competing, but in the same space, going for the similar market, which means you can leverage both audiences and marketing and so on. And on the marketing side, ads and lead magnets and stuff, any of those working particularly well or any types of marketing elements working well? Well, we've tried pretty much all types of ads and we see that search ads are by far the best. So for us, it's been like 90% of our signups come from search ads. Like Google, you mean? Google yeah, ads? Google ads. So we do both content-related ads and then like concept-related ads. And there are some variations in the quality of leads, like content-based leads are usually not the right buyers. They're just people who are interested in the topics. And we have a lot of tweaking to do in that front. But then the concept-related ads, which relate to more like pulse surveys or ONA or our products, those are higher quality leads and much more expensive, but they usually are the right decision makers. Got it. So if you're listening to this on the go, I guess that means for the content stuff, it's free eBooks and information about how to manage people in a diverse workforce or something, yeah. hybrid workforce. How to motivate people. Yeah. So there's yeah. more of those people because it's a higher up the funnel, let's say earlier in the stage. So there's more people like that, but they're not at the buying stage. And so the lead quality is not great. But on the other side, the concept stuff or more specifically around product solutions to their problems, there are fewer of them, but obviously they're a lot hotter as sales prospects, which means they're more expensive. It's a balancing act, I guess, isn't it? It is. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good thing you're a data-driven company, so that should make life easier for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you've got lots of resources for people who want to learn more about Team Perspective, whether that be to refer business to you, to potentially use you as a customer, or learn more about the business itself. What should they do next? A good source is to go to teamspective.com and contact us. You can find the LinkedIn links from there. And you can also sign up to our application, give it a try, put it to your Slack, see how well that like automatically starts rolling. Very good. Sorry, one more question for people who are thinking of referring business to you. What is the ideal kind of customer? Is there such a thing? Yeah, there's definitely differences between companies. And we work with tech companies and growth companies. So in SME segments, especially. So mm -hmm. the companies who are really like building their HR tech stack, those are the like sweetest cases for us. But we do have some industrial companies which are massive and those implement one department at a time, roll out the solution. So we have that whole range. And we also have like free offering for companies with less than 30 people. You get to use TeamSpective for absolutely no cost. So whether you want to launch pulse surveys or just personal feedback stuff. Very cool. Well, I know as an HR consultant, there were plenty of organizations that could have benefited from TeamSpective, yes, indeed, and would have been able to improve communication flow and improve employee engagement, the work. So I think it's really impressive what you're building and continuing to build. So I wish you all the best for the future with it and yeah, keep in touch. It's done a great job. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ben. It was a pleasure to be here. 
Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.